Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Inshallah continuing with our series Illuminated where we are studying the ayat of Noor. All the verses in the Qur'an or many of the verses in the Qur'an rather that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the concept of a Noor, light and illumination. Today, insha'Allah, we're going to be talking about Surah Al-An'am, Surah number 6, ayah number 122. What's really remarkable about this ayah, this is one of the most powerful verses in general within the whole Qur'an. Because of the, the analogy and the analysis that is presented in this ayah that contrasts the conditions of different people, different human beings. And from all the verses and the ayat that we've studied so far about this concept of nood and illumination, this one is particularly remarkable because in this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a very practical example of what two different kinds of people look like and what their reality is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah number 122, فَأَحْيَيْنَاهُ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُ نُورًا يَمْشِي بِهِ فِي النَّاسِ كَمَنْ مَثَلُهُ فِي الظُّلُمَاتِ لَيْسَ بِخَارِجٍ مِّنْهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that a dead person, a person that was dead, lifeless, lightless, was given life. We gave him life. And then we gave him light. We gave him life, the potential to better himself, and then we gave him light. We actually allowed him to realize his full potential. And then that person takes that light and walks around amongst the people with that light. Which is the Quranic expression for that person then shares that light with others. He illuminates others. He brings light to others. Can that person ever be the same? Can that person ever resemble? Can that person ever, you know, be similar to someone who is drowning in the layers upon layers of darkness, never able to come out from that darkness? Drowning in that darkness. This is a rhetorical question in the Quran, and of course the answer is no. These two people are not comparable in any way. They are not similar in any way. And then Allah says, كَذَلِكَ زُيِّنَ لِلْكَافِرِينَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Unfortunately, for many people who reject believing in Allah, their lives and their situations are beautified for them. They are deluded into thinking that what they are doing is actually good. But in reality, in actuality, they live in the darkness. Now, 
what is exactly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about here? He spoke about it very generally, that you have this person who was just as lost as anybody, but then we gave him life, we allowed him to open his eyes, and then we gave him the light where he could see good and bad, right and wrong, evil and good. And then we allowed this person to become a beacon of light themselves. As opposed to somebody who remains drowning deeper and deeper into the darkness, eventually getting to the point of what we call no return. So the scholars explain Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, the great companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he comments and he says that this, when we heard this verse, the two people that we thought of that fit each of these two descriptions were number one, Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And the second person was Abu Jahl, Amr ibn Hisham, whom his, who his people referred to as Abu al-Hakam, but he came to be known as Abu Jahl, the father of ignorance. So I'm not going to go into a long lengthy history lesson, but let's understand exactly how they fit this description. Umar bin al-Khattab, first of all, something interesting, Abu Jahl, who we all have heard of in some way, shape, or form or another. He's kind of the big villain of the story of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. And take that from the words of the Prophet ﷺ, that the day that Abu Jahl died, he was killed in the Battle of Badr, fighting against the Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ, when he was informed that Abu Jahl is dead, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahu Akbar. He said, God is great. Allahu Akbar. He said, now the Pharaoh of my people has perished. That as Pharaoh persecuted the Israelites, this man persecuted us for 15 years. He killed people just because they said, and yaqula rabbi Allah. Just because they said, my Lord is Allah. He murdered people, killed people, tortured people, tormented people. He tried to assassinate the Prophet on numerous occasions and failed. But Abu Jahl, this man, and Umar bin al-Khattab, they were actually related. They were uncle and nephew. Abu Jahl was the khal, right? The maternal uncle, in Urdu what we call Mamu, of Umar bin al-Khattab. They were uncle and nephew. And Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, his father had died when he was quite young. And even then he didn't have a really great relationship with his father. Because he recalls about how his father used to say that you'll never amount to anything. And then his father died when he was very young. So Abu Jahl, this man, this uncle, took him under his wing and basically became the father figure in his life. And he had mentored him and trained him. And in many ways, he, Umar radiallahu anhu, before Islam, was mirroring Abu Jahl. So Abu Jahl was a very notorious and infamous person. He was known for lying and cheating. And he would, you know, abuse people and violate their rights. And unfortunately, of course, we speak with respect about Umar al-Farooq radiallahu anhu, but he tells his history himself, he was... He was replicating much of that same behavior. He had no, become known in Mecca as this intimidator, this bully, 
And people were threatened by him and intimidated by him. And he mentions many of his sins that he used to, you know, um, intoxicate to the point of just completely losing his senses and he would pass out in random places. And he talks about how he would engage in fornication and adultery. And there was all this bad behavior, so much so that when the Prophet ﷺ first proclaimed the message of Islam, again, just emulating, modeling what he saw his uncle doing, he, Umar, used to persecute the Muslims. There's a very famous story that there was this couple, they were poor people, and they used to work as like laborers, and they were like, you know, the help. And they had become Muslim. And Umar personally used to torture them. Until they ultimately, when the Prophet ﷺ gave them permission to migrate to Abyssinia, East Africa, that they decided they were going to go. With the day that they were leaving, they were trying to leave without being spotted. When they got to the edge of Mecca, the husband said to the wife, I forgot something. It must have been something valuable or something. So he said, I have to go get it. She said, no, no, we can't be seen. He said, just sit here with the stuff, I'll be back, don't worry. So he leaves. As soon as he leaves, Umar anhu comes walking by. And the woman says she begins to panic. Oh no, because he used to torture them for being Muslim. So he sees her with some bags. He says, where are you going? Ila And she said in that moment, I just... You know, what is he going to do? What worse could he do to us? So she just said, I just had this courage in the moment, and I said that you have forced us to leave. You have forced us to leave. So now we're going to go to find a place where we can freely worship Allah and not be tormented by you. And when she said this to him, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, for a moment he felt a little bit embarrassed that he had done this to this woman. So he looks down, he looks away. And he becomes quiet. And then he says to her, Sahibakumullah, may God be with you. And he walks away. Looking down, kind of embarrassed of himself. She's stunned. Because Umar was a scary, like, you know, boogeyman for the Muslims. And a little while later, when her husband gets back, and she's just got this look on her face. He says, everything okay? She says, you won't believe what happened. He says, what happened? Omar came. Oh no. How are you still alive? And he said that, where are you going? And I said that, you know, you forced us to leave. You did this to us. And then he looked down and he seemed like he was embarrassed. And he said, may God be with you on your journey. And he walked away. And he looked at his wife and he, you know, husband knows his wife and he says, you have that look on your face. You actually think that he could become Muslim, huh? Because she had that look on her face, like, who knows? You think he could become Muslim? She said, yeah. And he says, He says, the donkey of Khattab would become Muslim before the son of Khattab. The donkey is more Muslim than Umar is. He said, I regretted that statement later. But it's to give you an idea of who Umar was. 
So when Allah says, a woman kana maytan, he was internally dead. Darkness. That was Omar. But then Allah opened his eyes. He talks about the time he was in the haram, at the Kaaba, Masjid al-Haram. And the Prophet ﷺ came in, and the Prophet ﷺ had a certain amount of protection, right? Because of Abu Talib and everything, they couldn't just assault him. So the Prophet ﷺ would come and he would pray near the Kaaba quietly, and nobody could touch him because Abu Talib would be sitting there watching. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ starts praying, and Umar ﷺ says, I said, let me listen to what he's saying. And the Prophet ﷺ was reciting the verses of Surah Haqqa. And he recites the verses, فَلَا أُقُسِّمُ بِمَا تُبُصِّرُونَ وَمَا لَا تُبُصِّرُونَ That I swear, Allah is saying, I swear by the things you can see, and I swear by the things that you cannot see. And, I, and Umar said that I thought to myself, wow, that's interesting. And then the verse says, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ these are the words of a noble messenger. And then I said to myself, Omar says, I thought to myself, oh, I get it. He's a poet. He uses fancy words. And the next verse he recited, These are not the words of a poet. Why don't you believe? And Omar said, oh, He can hear what I'm thinking. He's a sorcerer, he's a magician, he's reading my mind. And then he recited the next verse, وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ كَاهِنْ قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ These are not the words of a sorcerer or a soothsayer. Why don't you pay attention? Listen. So then I got stunned. And I said, then what could it be? And he recited the next verse, تَنْزِيلٌ مِّنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ This is revelation from the Lord of the worlds. And Umar said, I felt like I got the wind knocked out of me. And that didn't happen to me. I was the tough guy. I got the wind knocked out of me. So Allah opened his eyes a little. Until finally that day came. Where Allah gave him light. And what's the light? The Quran. Where one day the leaders of Quraysh are meeting. And they say, what are we going to do about this Muhammad problem? Sallallahu alayhi wa So he says that... Umar radiallahu says, all you guys do is talk. I'm going to go take care of it. He said, anta ya Umar, you can do it. So he says, I took out my sword. That's like somebody walking around just waving a gun. He said, I took out my sword and I just started walking with my sword. And I ran into a person who I didn't know was Muslim, but he was secretly Muslim. And he saw my look and he said, oh, that's not good. So he stopped me and he said, everything okay, Umar? And he said, I'm going to go take care of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he, he, the, the person was Muslim, but Umar didn't know. So he felt defensive of the Prophet sallallahu And he said, what'd you say? What are you going to do? Why would you do that? And he goes, oh, you're one of them. And he goes, yeah, so what if I am? And he said, I started to draw my sword. And we were about to go at it in the street. And then it just, I don't know, it came over me. And I said to him, I said, you know, you act so tough. You tell everybody what to do. But you can't even keep your own house in order. So what do you mean? He said, your sister is one of the first people that became Muslim. Your sister and your brother-in-law. 
Sa'id bin Zayd and Fatima bint al-Khattab. They were one of the first 40 Muslims. They became Muslim before everybody. What are you talking about? And he said, really? So he rushes over to his sister's house, banging on the door. He hears somebody talking inside. So then when his brother-in-law opens the door, he pushes the door in and starts just beating his brother-in-law. What have you done? His sister tries to stop him. He pushes her off. She falls down. And then he kind of realizes, oh, I've lost control. So he settles down. And his sister says, you can kill us if you want. But we will never stop believing in what we believe. So then, he sees some pages of the Qur'an. Surah Taha, Surah number 20. He says, what's that? She says, not for you. She says, let me see it. She says, clean yourself up. So then he sits down and she gives him the pages. And he starts reading. Taha. مَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْقُرْآنَ لِتَشْقَى We have not sent down this Qur'an upon you to ruin your life. إِلَّا تَذْكِرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى This is a reminder for the one who will pay attention and fear and listen. تَنْزِيلًا مِمَّنْ خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ وَالسَّبَاوَاتِ الْعُلَى This has been revealed from the one who created the earth and who created the heavens most high. الرحمن عَلَى الْعَرْشِ اسْتَوَى He is the most merciful. Positioned above his throne. And he read this. And he looked up from the pages and there are tears streaming down his face. And he says, take me to the Prophet As soon as he says that, Khabbab ibn al-Arat radiallahu he was a sahabi, he was tutoring them, teaching them the Qur'an. He's hiding in the house. He comes out. And he says, congratulations, the Prophet made dua for you. And may Allah bless you with Islam. And may Allah strengthen Islam through you. Make you a soldier of Islam. And he goes and he accepts. And it's even a remarkable story. When he shows up at the door, Hamza, the uncle of the Prophet who was a real tough, dangerous guy, he had accepted Islam three days ago. So when the Sahaba say, Umar is at the door, Hamza radiallahu goes to the door, opens the door and grabs Umar by here. And he says, what do you want? And the Prophet says, leave him. Let him come here. He says, what do you want, Umar? And he said, I want to accept Islam. And he became Muslim. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud who says, that we've just, we, from that point on forward, we had a confidence that we never lost. Because we knew Umar was on our side. A person who was lost in the darkness. And we opened his eyes and we gave him the light. But on the other hand, you have Abu Jahl, the uncle. What did he do? When he found out his nephew became Muslim, he took a bunch of the men of the family and they surrounded his house and they sieged Umar's home. And he said, you come out! We're going to kill you in the streets. And they laid siege to his home for days and days until they finally left. And Abu Jahl ultimately died cursing the Prophet That these two examples are not the same. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us the difference between having light and not having light. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst the people who are blessed with light. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us in iman and in light and in nur during this month of Ramadan. Amin ya rabbil alameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to practice everything we've said and heard. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nasaghfirka wa natubu ilayk.